0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا إله الا الله وحده لا شريك وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمَّا بَعْدُ So in the previous lesson, where we left off before Ramadan, we were in the chapter regarding the ayah, إِنَّمَا ذَلِكُمُ الشَّيْطَانُ يُخَوِّفُ أَوْلِيَاءَهُ فَلَا تَخَافُوهُمْ وَخَافُونِ إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ This chapter which was talking about fear, And the fear of Allah, and how a believer does not fear others besides Allah, that fear of worship, that fear of worship must be for Allah. And we mentioned that the fear, it is three types. There was Khawfus Sir, the fear which is with it. The worship of others besides Allah. Or oh, to abandon what Allah has made obligatory upon you. خَوْفُ وَهُوَ الْخَوْفُ الَّذِي يَكُونُ مَعَهُ عِبَادَةُ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ أَوْ تَرْكٌ لِمَا أَوْجَبُ اللَّهِ It is that a person fears something to the level that he ends up worshipping others besides Allah out of that fear or he abandons what Allah has obligated upon him out of that fear. أن يخاف, أن يخاف الإنسان من غير الله من الأصنام والأغفان ما عبدا من دون الله من القبور والأضرحة أو يخاف الشياطين والجن ويتقرب إليهم بما من That a person fears... Others besides Allah, he fears the idols and the statues and those that are worshipped besides Allah, and he fears the graves and the shrines and the tombs, fears the shayateen and the jinn, and he seeks closeness to them by doing what they love, which is shirk. He performs that shirk to seek closeness to them, thinking that they will then leave him alone. So this fear that he has of them, this fear he has of the shayatin or the jinn or the graves or the tombs of the deceased, it causes him to commit shirk to seek closeness to these others, hoping that if he seeks closeness to them, they will leave him alone. And this is, of course, shirk, major shirk, that exits a person from the fold of Islam. Ibrahim A.S., he said, Allah mentioned in the Quran, I do not fear what you commit shirk alongside Allah with. These idols and these statues of yours, I do not fear them, Ibrahim A.S. said. ثُمَّ قَالَ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ وَكَيْفَ أَخَافُ مَا How can I fear what you have committed shirk with? How can I fear these idols and these statues what you commit shirk alongside Allah with? And you yourselves do not fear Allah? You do not fear Allah the one you have committed shirk alongside how do you think I will fear these idols or statues of yours? And you do not fear the creator and the lord of everything, the one who has not sent you any proof or evidence for this shirk of yours. So it's as if those people had threatened Ibrahim A.S. that their statues and their idols, they will be able to harm you or do some bad to you. So he said to them, how can I fear these things of yours? Why would I fear these things of yours? فَأَيُّ الْفَرِيقَيْنِ بِالْأَمْنِ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ Which of the two parties are more deserving of safety and security if indeed you know? And that is of course those who are upon tawheed. Those who are upon tawheed and they are upon the worship of Allah, they are the ones with safety and security. As for the ones who are upon shirk, then they do not have that safety and security. And we mentioned that a long time ago in one of the opening chapters of Kitab al-Tawheed. The ayah, Alladhina amanu wa yalbisu bi ula lahumul Those who believe, Alladhina amanu, those who believe. And they do not mix their iman with dhulmah. The dhulmah which is being mentioned in this ayah is shirk. Just as Allah said in the Qur'an, إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ Indeed shirk is a great dhulmah. So here Allah says those who believe and then do not mix their belief with dhulma. They do not mix it with shirk. They are upon tawheed pure. Then those are the ones أُولَٰئِكَ lahumul amn They are the ones who will gain the safety and the security. Wahum muhtadun, And they are the ones who are rightly guided. As for the people who mix the iman with shirk, then they are the ones who are not guaranteed this safety and security, and instead they are the ones who are in line for punishment. The second type of fear that we mentioned, was a type of fear, Insan Dawa Munkar Nas من الناس A person leaves the obligations due to his fear of the people and what the people will say to him and do to him. He abandons the obligations that Allah has placed upon him due to his fear of the people. Fearing what the people may do, fearing the harm of the people upon himself, he abandons the obligations of Allah. And this in terms of enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, he abandons it. In terms of giving da'wah to the truth, he abandons it. Because he fears what the people may do to him And this is minor shirk This would be classed as minor shirk That he has abandoned the obligations upon him Abandoned enjoining the good and forbidding the evil Abandoned the calling to the truth The da'wah to the truth Fearing the uh, repercussions that he may face from the people Then this is a type of shirk It is haram The third type of fear was what? Natural fear. Natural fear. And what is that? Being scared of dogs and stuff like that. Absolute classic. Being scared of dogs. Somebody is afraid of dogs walking down the street and there's a dog there. So all the kids run away. You're afraid of the dog. This is a natural type of fear. Similarly, a person is in a jungle or in some forest and they've been told there are lions and tigers in this forest. you have a natural fear as you're walking through? These types of fears a natural fear in the desert that a scorpion may be around or a poisonous snake may be around. In the forest that a poisonous insect may be around. Uh, an animal, a predator may come and get you. This is all natural fear. الَّذِي لَيْسَ مَعَهُ عِبَادَةً لِلْمُخَوْفِ وَلَا لِوَاجِبُ That there is no worship associated to this, there is no association or link to worship, it's just a natural fear. Walking in the forest, a natural fear, a lion may come and attack you, a bear may attack you, a poisonous snake may get you, it's a natural fear. It doesn't prevent you from any worship or obedience or negligence or the obligations of Allah, but it's a natural fear upon your safety as you're walking through that dangerous area. This type of natural fear, uh, a person is not blameworthy for it, and you are not held accountable upon it. لا يلام عليه الإنسان لأنه ليس عبادة. So a person is not held accountable upon this type of natural fear. Because it is not linked or associated to any worship as such, wa la isatarkan li wajib, and you're not leaving any obligation. Wa la you aqal alayhi insan, so the person is not held accountable upon it. Wa Musa alaihi salam, lama taamara alayhi al-mal li wa anzira an yuxraj min al an yuxraj min al balad, fahraj minha qaifan yatarqab. قال ربي نَجِّنِي مِنَ الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ When Musa was threatened and told to, uh, that he would be expelled and that he was threatened, they are planning to try to kill him. So it's mentioned in the Qur'an, فَخَرَجْ He exited, then he left, then he went. He exited in a state of fear, natural fear. That they were all planning and plotting to try and kill him, to murder him. So he left in that state of somewhat of fear. And he said, قَالَ رَبِّ نَجِّنِي مِنَ الْقَوْمِ الظَّالِمِينَ Oh my Lord, save me from this oppressive people. So this is a natural fear. And a person is not held accountable upon that natural form of fear. Then the ayah which comes next, which may be one later in your books. The ayah, إِنَّمَا يَعْمُرُ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِي وَأَقَامَ الصَّلَاةِ وأات Walam وَلَمْ يَخْشَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فَعَصَى أُولَئِكَ أَنْ يَكُونُوا مِنَ الْمُهْتَدِينَ That indeed the ones who maintain the masajid are those who believe in Allah and the day of judgment. And they establish the prayers and they give the zakat. And they do not fear anyone except Allah. وَلَمْ يَخْشَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ أُولَٰئِكَ أَن يَكُونُوا مِنَ الْمُهْتَدِينَ So perhaps those will be the ones who are guided. So this particular ayah, it mentions that the ones who maintain the masajid, they are the ones who believe in Allah. On the last day, they establish the prayers, they give the zakat, and they do not fear except Allah. They do not fear except Allah. وَلَمْ يَخْشَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ هَذَا مَحَلُّ الشَّاهِدْ مِنَ الْآيَةِ لِلْبَابِ أي لم يَخْشَ مِنْ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ So they don't fear anyone besides Allah. لَا مِنَ الْمَعْبُودَاتِ Neither from the other deities and things people worship. لَا مِنْ سَائِرِ الْمَخْلُقَاتِ Neither from anything else in creation. وَإِنَّمَ الْخَشْيَةِ حَقٌ لِلَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى This fear, this awe, it is a right of Allah alone. لَا يَجُوزُ أَن يُشْرَكْ مَعَهُ وَفِيهَا غَيْرَهُ It is not permissible that any shirk is associated in your fear or awe to anyone else besides Allah. وَهِيَ عَمَلٌ قَلْبِي And it is an action of the heart. مِنَ الْعِبَادَاتِ الْقَلْبِيَّةِ from the worships that emanate from the heart, this fear. لِلْخَشْيَةِ أو الْإِنسَانُ غَيْرَ اللَّهِ So a person does not have this awe, this fear, this dread from anyone else except Allah. وَمَنْ غَيْرَ اللَّهِ al أَشْرَكَ بِاللَّهِ and whomsoever fears besides Allah, the fear which is associated to worship, the fear of submission, then that type of person has committed shirk. Allah said in the Qur'an, فَلَا إِن كُنْتُمْ مؤمنين. Do not fear them, but fear me if indeed you are believers. فَمِن شَرْطِ Iman, Therefore from the conditions of iman is, إِخْلَاصُ الْخَوْفِ مِنَ الله. The sincerity in your fear to Allah alone. كَذَٰلِكَ مِن شَرْطِ الْإِيمَانِ الْخَشِيَةَ مِنَ اللَّهِ And also the sincerity of your awe or dread. That it is from Allah alone. It is not from the creation of the jinn or the shayateen as people do. So then it mentions, That then it is uh, hoped that those people... They are from the ones who are guided to the truth. As for a person who doesn't have these characteristics, he fears others besides Allah, then he is out of this description of being from the guided ones. Here it is mentioned that they will be from the guided ones, those who are upon those characteristics of fearing Allah, and not fearing others besides Allah. Then you have the statement backwards in your book, وَقَوْلُ اللَّهِ وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ فَإِذَا أُوذِيَ فِي اللَّهِ جَعَلَ فِتْنَةَ اللَّهِ And there are those from the people who say that we believe in Allah, but if they are harmed then they make the harm or the trial of the people as if it is like the punishment of Allah. الناس, meaning, that these people who say they believe in Allah on the last day, when they are tested or a trial overcomes them, these people who say, yes, we believe in Allah, we believe in the last day, we're believers. But when a test and a trial overcomes them, because the believers no doubt, they are tested and they are tried their tests and their trials they will overcome them. <speaking in Hebrew> Allah the one who created the death and the life to test you. <speaking in> will <Hebrew> that we will test you with some deficiency. <speaking in Hebrew> from fear. <speaking in Hebrew> And from the deficiency in your wealth, and in your health, and in your children. These are all things that Allah tests the people in. Tests you with regards to your health, and sometimes being upon ill health. Losing your health. Tests you with regards to your families and your children and their health, etc. Tests you with regards to your wealth. All of these various things Allah tests the believers upon. So when these tests, they come, then it shows the reality of a person. Because Allah does not just leave the believers as they be, rather Allah tests the believers to see who are the truthful from amongst them and who are not. Of course Allah already knows, but these tests are there to show you as a proof who were the truthful and who were not. So these tests and trials, they come upon the people to determine from them, for them to realize who from amongst themselves are truthful ones and who are actually liars in their iman. Because when these tests and these trials, they come, that distinguishes the people of true iman from the people who are just saying we're believers and they have no iman. Allah said in the Qur'an, أَحَسِبَ an an amanna do the people think they will just be left to say, yes, we believe, and they will not be tested? Do they think that they will just be able to stay and say, yes, we believe, we believe, and no tests or trials will ever come unto them? Rather, they will be tested and the trials will come upon them. <laughs> Allah says, indeed, we tested the people who came before you. فَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ صَدَقُوا وَلَيَعْلَمَنَّ So Allah will certainly know from amongst you who are the truthful and who are the liars. Those who are truthful in their iman and those who are not. So when somebody says, آمَنْتُ بِاللَّهِ I believe in Allah. يُمْتَحَنُ That person will surely be given tests and trials. بِأَنْ يُصَابُ بِالْأَذَىٰ مِنَ الْكُفَّارُ وَالْمُنَافِقِينَ وَالْفُسَّاقُ he may be overcome by harm from the disbelievers and the munafiqeen, the hypocrites and the wrongdoers and the sinners and the oppressors. So when those trials and tribulations overcome him, if he remains patient and he remains grounded, remains upon his obedience and worship to Allah, making dua to Allah for an escape from that difficulty... Remains firm in that way, then this is an evidence upon the truthfulness of his Iman. Evidence upon the truthfulness of his Iman. But if the person in those trials and tribulations deviates, then this is a sign or an indicator upon. The hypocrisy of that person, that he was not grounded upon Iman, and he was simply just making those statements. Yes, we believe, we believe in Allah, we believe in the Day of Judgment. But when their trials and their tribulations came, they deviate away and they cannot be patient anymore. Then that shows to you the reality of their Iman is weak, and the reality of their Iman is not as they claimed. And as for the ones who absolutely deviate and turn away, they are the munafiqin, The munafiqeen who say that they are upon Iman, but when the tests overcome the believers, then they don't want to be with the believers anymore, because they don't want to be in those tests and trials. So then they show their reality and they turn away and they run away. So here it is mentioned that the munafiqeen, the hypocrites particularly, مَوْقِفُ الْمُنَافِقِينَ فِي الشَّدَائِدْ فِي The way that the Munafiqeen used to behave at the time of the Prophet when difficulties came, that is known. Like for example on the battle of Al-Ahzab. Which one is the battle of Al-Ahzab? The one that is known as the battle of Al-Ahzab. What is that battle? What is the battle of Khandaq? When they dug the trench. That is another name for it. The battle of Al-Ahzab. Al-Ahzab means the groups and the parties. Why is the, uh, One name for it is the Ghazwatul Khandaq. The battle of the trench. That is famously known because of the trench that they dug. Why is it also known as the battle of the groups and parties? That's another name for that same battle. The battle of the trench. Mm. The battle of the groups and parties. Why? all the different factions united against them. Exactly, because all of those disbelievers, the various groups of the disbelievers, the Munafiqeen, the Mushrikeen, the Jews, the Christians, they all united to come and attack Islam in that particular battle. So it was known as the battle of the groups, the various factions, all of them came to try to attack the uh, Muslims. So in this particular battle, it is known what occurred. How the Munafiqeen They pledged their support, but when the time came, they retreated and they ran away. And they did not aid and they did not help. Similarly in the battle of Uhud, they turned their backs and they ran away. In the Battle of Uhud also it is mentioned Abdullah ibn Ubay turned around and abandoned them, and many of the Munafiqeen they all turned around and abandoned the Muslims and they abandoned the Prophet. So these types of trials when they occurred to the believers, it used to distinguish the people. The munafiqeen who were pretending to be Muslims, they would be easily distinguished out from the true believers. Because the munafiqeen wouldn't stay around for these tests and these trials and these difficulties like the battles. They didn't want to be killed. They used to run away, turn their backs from the Muslims, so it became known. The reality of their iman was falsehood. They were not upon iman, they did not remain with the Prophet ﷺ, they did not aid the Prophet ﷺ, they did not aid Al-Islam. Instead, when that difficulty came and the hardship came, the battle came, they turned their backs and they ran away. فَالْفِتَنْ تَكْشِفُ الْمُنَافِقِينَ وَتُبَيِّنَ الْصَادِقِينَ فِي إِيمَانِهِمْ So these types of trials and tribulations, they show the reality and they expose the reality of the people. So that's why in the battle of Al-Ahzab it is mentioned, وَلَمَّا رَأَى الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الْأَحْزَابِ قَالُوا هَذَا مَا وَعَدَنَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ وَصَدَقَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ وَمَا زَادَهُمْ إِلَّا وَتَسْلِيمًا When the believers saw the factions and the groups all coming in the battle of Khandaq, they said, this is what Allah has promised us and the Messenger has promised us, and they did not increase in anything except Iman. They increased in Iman, as for the munafiqeen who have diseases in their hearts, الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالَّذِينَ those with illnesses and diseases in their hearts, they said, wa'adan Allah wa illa ghurura." غُرُورًا We've only been promised, uh, we've been tricked, we've been deceived into all of this. They didn't want to stay with the Muslims, they didn't want to fight, so they started saying, this is all deception and trickery, and we weren't, we weren't aware of this, and this is not what we thought, etc., etc., to make the excuses to run away. فَمَوَاقِفُ الْفِتَنِ وَالشَّدَائِدِ هِيَ الَّتِي تُبَيِّنُ أَهْلَ الْإِيمَانِ الصَّادِقِ مِنَ النِّفَاقِ الكاذب. So these types of difficulties, they distinguish for you the true believers from those who are only pretending. And Allah said in the Quran, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ There are those who will say to you, we believe in Allah. آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ يَتَظَاهَرُوا بِالْإِسْلَامُ وَبِالدِّينُ They pretend to be upon Islam and upon the religion. لَكِنْ إِذَا الفتن فَالْمُنَافِقِينَ عَزِلُ But when the trials and tribulations come, the munafiqeen, they separate themselves and run away. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَعْبُدَ اللَّهِ عَلَىٰ Harf. There are some people who worship Allah on the edge. They worship Allah on the edge. Meaning, that as soon as some difficulty comes, they turn over the edge and run away. They are only on the edge. They're not in properly into the worship as it should be. They are not upon Islam and Iman. They are upon the edge, and as soon as some difficulty comes, they go. And this is what is mentioned regarding them. It says in the Quran, فَإِنْ أَصَابَهُ خَيْرٌ Those munafiqin and those types of people, when they are with the believers pretending, when the goodness comes to them, they want to join in and they are happy. But when some difficulty comes to the believers, وَإِنْ وجه، Then they turn around. They turn 180 degrees. They have lost this world in the hereafter. ذَٰلِكَ That is certainly the clear misguidance, or rather the clear loss. فَالْفِتَنُ وَالشَّدَائِدُ وَالْمَوَاقِفُ مِنَ النِّفَاقُ So these difficult situations, that's when you really see who the true believer is, the one who's patient, and those who are not. وَاللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى حَكِيمٌ عَلِيمٌ هَذِهِ الْإِبْتِلَاءَاتِ وَهَذِهِ الْإِمْتِحَانَاتِ وَهَذِهِ لِتُبَيَّنَ أَهْلُ الْإِيمَانَ الصَّادِقِ مِنْ أَهْلِ النِّفَاقِ So Allah is the all-wise, He allows these types of trials and tribulations to occur, to see who are the true believers and who are not. And of course Allah knows that, but this is a proof and an evidence upon the people that this trial came and you had run away. Shows the reality of you now, the proof is established against them. So then in this ayah it says, فَإِذَا أُوذِيَ فِي اللَّهِ If these munafiqeen, they face some difficulty, they face some difficulty due to their belief in Allah or their pretense of belief in Allah, They begin to make the punishment of the people As if it is like the punishment of Allah, مع الفرق العظيم, no doubt there is a great difference between the two. Great difference between the two. The fitna of the people and the trial of the people is nothing. It comes and it goes. Whereas the punishment of Allah is severe and it remains. So these people though, they end up confusing the affair and making it out as if the punishment is so great. And they are not upon iman in reality and they do not remain firm. So those difficulties and those trials, they sift out the people. And they distinguish those upon the truth of iman and those who are not. Then we have the narration of Abu Sa'id radiAllahu anhu marfu'an In min Indeed from the weakness of certainty and iman is أَن تُرْضِ النَّاسَ that you please the people by angering Allah. You do something which angers Allah, why do you do it? Because it pleases the people. You do something to please the people, but that act is actually something which angers Allah. That is from the weakness of the iman of a person. That he does things just to please people, even those things are from the anger of Allah. So this narration then mentions that from the weakness of certainty of a person is that the individual performs actions that are from the pleasure of the people even though they are from the anger of Allah. And this is from the absolute weakness of his understanding and his certainty. Wa And also that he praises the people for the rizq which Allah has given him. إِذَا جَاءَكَ رِزْقُ وَجَاءَكَ خَيْرُ تَنْسِبْ هَذَا إِلَى النَّاسِ وَتَحْمِدَهُمْ عَلَيْهِ الرِّزْقُ مِنَ So when some goodness comes to him and some sustenance and some provisions come to him, he praises the people for it. When in reality that provision and sustenance has come to him from Allah. So this is again from the weakness of his state of affairs that he does this. فَالْوَاجِبَ تَحْمَدِ اللَّهِ The obligation upon you is to thank Allah and show your gratitude to Allah, not the people. The priority in your gratitude and thankfulness is to Allah, not that you associate the blessings to the people. <laughs> you thank Allah as the priority, as the primary. Allah is the one who has given you that risk. But if somebody had helped you or something and done something, then you can thank them as a secondary thing. Thank them for what they have done and what they have. Uh, made easy for you as a secondary thing, but primarily your thanks and your gratitude is to Allah. The blessing is associated to Allah. And then of course you thank the people for their effort and what they have done for you, thanking the people that is good. But the primary association of the blessing is not from the people, that is from Allah. Then secondary you thank the people, because that is good to thank the people for the aid and the help that they give you. So you thank them for what they may have done and what they may have put forth but you don't associate the blessing to them and give them the gratitude for the blessing. Your thanks and your gratitude is to Allah, the one who has provided you that blessing. And then you thank the people as a secondary thing as well. You do that, it is from the sunnah, for whatever they have aided you with. So you thank the people upon what they've done, مَعَلِ اِعْتِرَافِ أَنَّ مِنَ اللَّهِ. And you acknowledge though, that these sustenance and provisions are from Allah. And you believe that this person is just a means to it. He aided me or helped me. That's just a means to it. The reality is that the sustenance and provisions and the blessings they are from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Similarly, wa anta dhumma hum ala lam yu'tika Allah. Yaani iza sa'eita tatlub shayyan mahbuban min dunya wa lamahsulla kafala tadumma nass. Lena haza bi adilla. Laosha Allahu lahasrallakwa nassu leisa bi adhim shayyan. If you want something and you don't get it, but other people are given it, Allah blesses other people with some blessing and you have not been blessed it, then do not criticize the people and do not have envy against the people. Don't speak bad or do bad or criticize the people because they've got something you wanted and you haven't been given it. Do not be of that nature. Rather, as the Shaykh says, be pleased with what Allah has given you and what blessings you have. Be pleased with whatever blessings you've been given and do not criticize and be evil towards the people because they've been given something additional you wanted. Maybe that thing you wanted was actually no good for you. Maybe it wouldn't have been any good for you. Allah is the all-wise, أَن شَيْئًا لَكُمْ But then afterwards, maybe you love something, and it is actually شَرٌ لَكُمْ It might actually be something bad for you. You might love something, but it might actually be something bad for you. So, a person does not look bad towards other people and criticize them for something they've been given some blessing they've been given. Rather, you thank Allah for whatever you have been given yourself. In Allah, <laughs> The rizq of Allah, it is not gained by your enthusiasm or however hard you strive and neither is it taken away by somebody hating it for you. No matter how much you love to get something, that might not be the reason why you get some rizq from Allah. And at the same time, no matter how much somebody hates that you get this blessing, that doesn't mean it will be prevented from coming to you. So no matter how much you strive for something, you strive to go after a person to get you something, because he has the means, you may not get it. And at the same time, if somebody hates for you to get some blessing, or you hate for someone to get some blessing, that may not prevent that blessing from getting to the person, because all of this is in the control of Allah. All of these blessings are from the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if all of the people, even if all of the people of the earth got together, to prevent you from some rizq, they would not be able to do so. لَوْ أَنَّ النَّاسِ اجْتَمَعُوا عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَضُرُّوكَ As the hadith says... لَمْ يَذُرُّوكَ بِشَيْءٍ إِلَّا بِشَيْءٍ قَدْ كَتَبَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ If all of the people got together to harm you with something, they wouldn't be able to unless it was something Allah had decreed. Then, the final narration here of Aisha رضي الله عنها, she says, (laughs) أَنَّا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالْ مَنِ الْتَمَسَ رِضَ اللَّهُ بِسَّخَطِ النَّاسِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ man عَنْهُ النَّاسِ وَمَنِ الْتَمَسَ رِضَ النَّاسِ بِسَخَطِ اللَّهِ سَخِطَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَأَسْخَطَ عَلَيْهِ النَّاسِ Whomsoever seeks the pleasure of Allah, even if it means displeasing the people, then Allah will be pleased with him and will make the people pleased with him too in the end. But whomsoever seeks the pleasure of the people and ends up displeasing Allah, then Allah will be displeased with him and will make the people displeased with him in the end as well. So whomsoever seeks the pleasure of Allah, even at the cost, at the expense of the pleasure of the people, then Allah will like that person for it, love that person for it, be pleased with that person for it and will make the people pleased with him in the end. But if the opposite occurs, a person seeks the pleasure of the people at the expense of the pleasure of Allah, then Allah will be displeased with him and will make the people displeased with him in the end as well. So this indicates and highlights very clearly that a person does not seek after the pleasure of the people and neglect what Allah is pleased with. You do not seek the pleasure of the people and ignore what the pleasure of Allah is. You do not abandon the worship and the obligations to please the people. You do not engage in haram to please the people. And that will be something which is not pleasing to Allah. And in the end as a consequence even those people you were pleasing will be made to be displeased with you. So you've gained nothing in the end. هذا الحديث al الفوزاني says إِذَا صار عَلَيْهِ الْحِكَّامُ وَغَيْرِ الْحِكَّامِ حصل الْخَيْرِ الْكَثِيرِ فَهُوَ منهج العظيم if the rulers and the normal people, everybody, tread upon this hadith, that you don't try to look for the pleasure of the people, look for the pleasure of Allah in everything you do. Walk upon that methodology, it is a great methodology. manhajun These few words are a methodology that the ummah should tread upon. Always strive for the pleasure of Allah, not for the pleasure of the people. Because as the narration says, even if you end up displeasing them for the sake of pleasing Allah, in the end Allah will make them pleased with you too. So you always strive for the pleasure of Allah, not for the pleasure of the people. <laughs> So لانه وال وامام فهو بحاجة الى هذا الحديث ليجعله له في سياسة الملك وهذا الحديث فيه ان الانسان يقدم خشية الله على خشية الناس ويقدم رضا الله على الناس الذي so hadith indicates that a person gives precedence to pleasing Allah over the precedence or over the pleasure of the people and gives precedence to the fear of Allah over the fear of the people a person gives precedence to the fear of Allah over the fear of the people, and gives precedence to the pleasure of Allah over the pleasure of the people. And that is what will bring success to that individual. Wadallah Hadith u Abi Said and the previous hadith had indicated already that it's from the weakness of the iman of a person, from the certainty of the person that he tries to please the people in displeasure of Allah. So rather an individual aims and attempts to please Allah and not the people. And that's why Aisha anha uh, advised Muawiyah with this particular hadith uh, regarding pleasing, the, uh, pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not seeking to please the people at the expense of that. For the one who pleases Allah even in the displeasure of the people, then Allah will cause those people to love him in the end. So this is regarding the issue of fear. And that conclusion there highlights that a person's fear should not be in the people. A person should not fear the people over his fear of Allah. A person should not conversely try to please the people over the pleasure of Allah. Rather your focus is always on your worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is from the perfection of Tawheed. And that's why Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul wahhab Rahimahullah <laughs> Ta'ala placed this particular chapter into Kitabu Tawheed. That is the end of that chapter. The next chapter will begin with the next time. It is the chapter of trust and dependence in Allah. Tawakkul. Tawakkul, which is trust and dependence in Allah. Having your absolute trust in Allah, your absolute dependence and reliance in Allah. That insha'Allah, we'll discuss the next time because that is important. Sometimes the people they become negligent of that. If there is somebody you asked for a favor, it's as if the people start to put their whole trust in that person. Inshallah he'll sort it out. With depending on him, he'll take care of things. Your trust isn't in that person. He's just a means. He's not the one who's going to fix your problems. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will decree what occurs. He is just a means, but people forget that and they start thinking all of their trust in the person. Inshallah, we're relying on him. We're depending on him. He'll take care of it. He'll get the papers for us. He'll get the documents we need. So, these types of things are important, and inshallah, we'll begin with that next week. Uh, the chapter regarding putting your trust and dependence in Allah and how that is from the perfection of Tawheed. But we'll conclude upon that point for today. any questions we're able to take we'll do so now otherwise we'll conclude upon that point then as a reminder we should just say that the month of ramadan has concluded but uh, there are, as you're aware, great virtuous acts that still continue. The time for ibadah never finishes, as the scholars they say. So now in this month after Ramadan, there is the fasting of the six days of Shawwal. As the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ Ramadan, رَمَضَانِ ثُمَّ أَتْبَعَهُ بِسِتٍ مِّنْ شَوَّالِ كَانَ كَصَيَامِ الدَّهْرِ That whomsoever fasts the month of Ramadan then follows it up with six days in this month that we're in now. 26-27 days left of this month now. Whoever fasts just six days out of it, then the reward you'll end up with is like you've been fasting for the whole year. The reward of having fasted a whole year for just fasting six more days of this month. So every person should strive for these types of virtues. Finish the month of Ramadan. If you have any days left to make up, make up those days. And then do six more days from this month before it finishes. And the reward is like that of having fasted for a whole year. So a person should strive for these great virtues and these great rewards. If someone's got um, the fast to make up from, let's say, previous years or something. Or maybe this, this year, this, this Ramadan has come. And I can't keep all those fasts Can I do the shawal fast first? Why can't they keep all those fasts? How many have they got to do? Let's say they got a couple of years to do Let's say, let's say about 15 fasts or twenty fasts. Or no, 15 or 20 or even up to 24 You have no excuse at all If you want to do the uh, 6 days of Shawwal, You've got to do your 24 days, 20 days, 15 days And then do the days of shawal Do you have to do them first or can you do the shawal ones first? The opinion of the majority of the scholars is You must complete the days of Ramadan first Then do the six days of Shawwal to get that reward Because the hadith says Man Ramadan, thumma Whoever fasts Ramadan then follows it up with six days If you have still got days left to make up from Ramadan That means you haven't fasted Ramadan yet You can only have fasted Ramadan when you've done all of the days for it if you haven't done all of the days, then you haven't fasted Ramadan yet. Hadith says, whoever finishes, whoever does all of Ramadan, fasts all of the days, then does the six days of shawwal gets that reward. So if you've got a week to make up or two weeks to make up, make those up first, and then you can do the six days of shawwal. But previous years, it depends. If a person still has days left to make up from previous Ramadan, if he has left those days and not made them up without any legitimate excuse... Then he's a sinner. And that person needs to make Tawbah. And he needs to make up those days. And as Shaykh bin Ba says, he needs to feed a poor person for every day too. For not having made up those fasts before last Ramadan. Because whenever you miss fasts from Ramadan, you have to make them up before next Ramadan starts. So if you don't do that without any excuse, then you are a sinner. You must repent, and as Sheikh Bin Ba says, you've got to make the days up and feed a poor person for every day too. But if you had a legitimate reason, for example, you were ill the whole year, one Ramadan to next Ramadan, you've been ill the whole year, you couldn't fast, that's a legitimate excuse. But if a person doesn't have any legitimate excuse, then he's a sinner for that. So we'll leave it there, and inshallah we'll carry on next week.